When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. This is the word of the Lord to us. Awesome video. Awesome. Good morning. It still is morning. I am not Pastor Ray. I should warn you ahead of time, I don't teach like Pastor Ray. I don't talk like Pastor Ray. And for some of you, that might be a disappointment, and I'm sorry. I'll just take that storm of disappointment on myself right now. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I love you too. Thank you. Thank you. This is my official third time ever preaching on a pulpit like this, and I'm honored deeply. So, bear with me. I'll, we're talking about John 6:16 6, through 21, kind of a downer after Easter celebration and all the other good news, and that gets to talk about storms. Not so much fun, but. Going to be a good topic. I think there's a lot packed in this little verse. And it's, it's kind of an interesting story, and I'll tell you about some of the prep work I did. I actually found out that uh, many of you didn't know this, maybe, but uh, there's other times in Scripture where uh, the, Bible, the Bible says that the apostles were in the midst of a storm, and it wasn't this time. And there's some differences that we have to look at other Gospels for about this particular instance that give us even greater insight as to what we can uh, get out of this. So let's talk first about your 2020. Do we have to? Yeah, we do. Okay. Scale of one to ten, one being a drop in the bucket, just another little ripple, to ten being a tumultuous storm. Where do you rank it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was not an easy one, that's for sure. But it never is, is it? If it wasn't COVID or something else, we would have had some other kind of storm to deal with. Right? You, you've never had a storm for a year, have you? Anybody? I mean, this was unusual, but it wasn't really unusual in that if you look back at your life, you've been dealing with storms since very early on, as young as you can remember. Maybe you had a storm of bullying, right? Maybe something else happened. Lots of tragedy. I mean, uh, so it's, it's not uncommon. It's just Sometimes we'd rather forget those things when actually we should remember because God might want to use those for some greater good, either for you or for someone else. But yeah, 2020 wasn't great. We'll, we'll say that. So John 6, 16, 16 through 21 really isn't even about storms, uh, but storms in general, when we talk about them, are a metaphor. Uh, they're actually a metaphor for one of Jesus' means to an end. As a matter of fact, he used storms, tension, and difficulty as a means of developing his apostles and disciples. Actually, his disciples developing them into apostles. Um, this is not new either. This has been going on since the Old Testament. You see all kinds of difficult times. When, throughout Scripture, old or new, do you see God's people having a storm-free period of time? <laughs> Never, right? But he always used those things in their lives to, to pick them where he wanted them to go, to help them to be strengthened 
in their character, in their faith. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's been doing it the entire New Testament as he's engaging with his disciples. All of what he's doing is intended for one thing, is preparing these guys for greater things. He knows he's got to empower them to go on and do things without him. They have to be able to develop their faith and stretch it out so they can use it and it'll be there for them as a resource to pull from that they can trust in this God who's no longer visible, that he doesn't need to be visible to be at work. Make sense? Just an interesting nuance here. You know the difference between a disciple and an apostle? We're all disciples. But apostles are a little different. They're kind of next level. The apostles were taken out by Christ and given a specific destination. They were given a power and an authority to go Disciples are just following. That's cool. But apostles are on a mission. Go thee, therefore. Right? And make disciples. So he's doing all of what he's doing. Healing the sick, raising the dead, talking to the Samaritan woman. He's doing all of this and more for that one thing. Preparing them. It's actually what he's doing for all of us. All the time. And everything that you've gone through on this horizontal plane since the time you were born was designed by him that you might experience him more fully and be able to walk with him into the future. That he would use you. Storms. Let's talk about some background work. I looked at the Bible for all kinds of different storms and boating stories. Yeah, thought it would. It would be kind of fun. So Noah, hey. This is a storm. When the guy's out there, he just starts the storm by saying, a storm is coming. What do they say? Huh? But you have to realize there has never been a raindrop yet. Right? They don't understand this yet. He has to give them a rainbow later on so they don't get afraid every time they see a cloud in the sky. Right? But here's Noah. He's starting a storm. There's a storm coming. And no matter how crazy it is, you guys got to follow me into this boat. Again, crazy storm. Using it for what? Get God's word out and get someone into the boat that's willing to follow him. Jonah, here's a good one. Throw this rebellious Jew overboard. Save ourselves. Nah, that wasn't good for Jonah, but it worked out in the end. Nineveh got saved. Right? How about Moses? This little lady does something crazy and illegal, takes the baby, puts him in a boat. That's risky. Wrote the law, too. In Matthew 8 and Mark 4 and Luke 8, that's where we see the storm on the, on the seas, which actually was a storm, and they were really, really upset. They were fearing for their lives, really not because of the storm, although it was strong. They were fearing for their lives because Jesus, the guy they were following, who had all power and authority, who'd done a bunch of miracles and bailed them out a hundred times already, is doing what? Asleep in the boat. So part of their problem with this storm wasn't just that they were rowing hard and trying to fight against it. Part of their problem was they didn't understand what Jesus was doing. That's a good illustration for how I act in a storm. What is Jesus doing? Doesn't he know? Hmm. And of course, in this one, John, Matthew, and Mark, again, the one we're looking at here, what were they upset about? These guys are sailors. They know the sail, how to sail on the ocean. They are familiar with the water. 
This little wind and waves is no big deal. That happens all the time on the Sea of Galilee. There's a big mountain range on one side of the thing, and the weather builds up over it. And when it gets to a certain point, it comes flowing down into that, bo- that, into that, that sea valley. And guess what? Upon it in minutes is the storm from out of nowhere. Especially at night, you can't even see it building up. But this happened to them all the time. This wasn't unfamiliar territory for them. They could tell. They knew this was there. They'd been there before. What they were upset about was what they didn't understand. They were scared because they thought they saw a ghost, something they'd never seen before. Although the Bible describes it, says they saw Jesus. It actually says they thought they saw a ghost, but it was Jesus. It's letting you know it was Jesus walking, but it tells you what they were thinking. They thought he was a ghost. And of course, another great story, Acts 27, we have Paul, and he's telling these guys something more crazy stuff. He's saying, hey, this boat's going to sink, but you need to stay on it with me. Okay, that's interesting stuff. Story upon story of these things where crazy stuff right, is said and being done in the midst of a storm, but God is using it for his good. So let's kind of go through this. So I, I rewrote this uh, section of scripture for myself. You can't see this, but it's on my screen. And I'm going to read John 6, 16 through 21 with interjections of some other things from Matthew and Mark on the same passage. It's all the same event. And this is a great picture of God interacting with us as we struggle to navigate life. So ready? When the evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, the sea, where they got into a boat. John goes on, but Matthew and Mark say something different. Matthew and Mark say Jesus made them get into the boat. He made them get in the boat. And they believed him, and they obeyed him. The disciples are learning. In the first chapter, or the first time incident on the boat, he says he went with them. This time he says, he said, you guys do this on your own. So by now, they've kind of gained confidence. Okay, he's telling us to do something. We'll do it. It's going to be okay. Right? It says in Mark that from there, Jesus went up to pray. And then they set across the lake to Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. He was praying. He was busy. In Mark, it says that Jesus looked from that mountain while he was praying for them, fully aware that they're in a struggle, right? And he's praying for them. It says he saw, Mark says he saw them struggling. God knows when you're struggling. Jesus knows when you are struggling in a storm, and he's praying for you. That's pretty cool news, right? Strong wind was blowing and waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three hours, they saw a ghost. Jesus, all three events say that. He was walking on the water, and that's what scared them. They were frightened. But he says to them, he reveals his deity. He proves himself as Alpha Omega. The translation really was that he says, I am. And then he says, don't be afraid. I am your God. I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm here. And it says, be encouraged. Be okay. Don't be afraid. Do you know how many times he tells us that? And yet we're in the middle of this craziness, and we're what? We're scared. We don't know what's going on. We don't understand. Where is Jesus? Why is this happening to me? And we don't know. And God's there saying in the quiet background, I am. 
Mark says they were astounded. Basically, it implies that they were like in awe. Uh, and then at this point, Peter interjects, or Matthew interjects something about Peter that's not in any other gospel. Peter gets to walk on water. Peter says, it's, if it's you, Lord, call me out. Jesus says, come. One word. I'm going to show you a video later. It's not quite accurate like that, but he says, come. It says that Jesus steps out, or Peter steps out of the boat, walks on the water, takes a look back to his past history and his friends and all that other stuff, and all of a sudden, the wind and the waves. And he, at the end, they say, truly, this is the Son of God. An interesting nuance here says that they were willing to take him into the boat. Some of the translations or other scriptures say they invited him into the boat. And immediately, not only did the wind and waves calm, but they arrived at their destination. God is more than able to get you exactly where you need to go. Right? And he's going to use a storm to blow you there. When it comes to storms, or even what we would call life storms, it is not if, it is when. <laughs> would you agree with me? Yeah, we all agree with that. When I look back at my past, it has been stormy. And I, I actually, most people would say, hey, I, he's a pretty well-adjusted guy, you know. <laughs> Thank God for his mercy and grace. But I, mean, I can look back at history and, you know, out of the house at 17, mom and dad going this way. They're thinking I'm Okay. Go out, start the workforce. That's, that's my life. Never stopped. My boys became, I had boys, and now they're older than this, but when they turned 15, 16, 17, I looked at them and I go, how in the world could that have been okay to put somebody at 17 out in the, into the world? I mean, it wasn't that they were, they were dealing with their own storms. It wasn't intentional. It just happened, right? It just happened. And that's just mine. I'm sure you have other stories. When storms arise, the first question most people ask is why? Why is this happening to me? Why is God doing this to me or letting this happen to me? Why has he forsaken me? Jesus said those words too, didn't he? He did that so he could have a connection with your humanity. He knows how you feel when you feel forsaken. When life storms arise for Christ followers, why might be the wrong question, but at least not the first question we should ask. The first thing we should do, actually, is pray and ask for wisdom. Lord, what are you doing in the midst of this thing? This is not comfortable. It's okay. David did this, too. He, he was real with God. Lord, why are my enemies doing okay, and I'm trying to be the righteous guy here, and it is not working out. Why? What's going on here, Lord? And what I think is always wise, and boy, it will really help you in life. If you can realize that God is able to use everything in this horizontal plane, every difficulty, every challenge, every relational, you know, divide, everything, he's able to use for your good. If he can get it to point you vertically to him. If he uses that to point you vertically to him, to draw near to him, to draw from him, he knows there's hope, right? You can go on. But if you want to keep handling on your own this way, he's fine with that too. These guys had to invite him into the boat, right? He's fine, but he's using all these things across the horizontal, every storm 
to get you going vertical. I know you've heard that illustration before, and I just feel like it's important for me to say, when we say God is vertically oriented, yes, look up, your redemption draweth nigh, that's good. But what we see here in scripture is that God isn't somewhere way, way off in the heavenlies. He's not limited by time or space or distance, nor height, nor depth, nothing. He is both omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. He can be there and here, right here, in your very midst, at the same time. Think about that. So when you're in the midst of some difficulty, God cares about what's happening to you. We know that. Scripture very clearly tells us that. Jesus demonstrated how much he cared for you. He died for you. How much more will he not take care of all these other things? That's in Romans. God uses what's happening to you to do something in you. Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God at all times who is at work within you to give you the desire and the power to fulfill his purposes. And after all, that's what you really want, isn't it? I mean, you can do your own thing, but I think it'd be a little safer territory to fulfill, be worried about fulfilling God's purposes for my life. If I pick my own purposes and let my desires be my decider, I've gotten some pretty bad territory that way. Anybody else? Yeah. Uh, my, my 17 through 20-something uh, wasn't, wasn't all that great. So let's talk a little bit more on life storms. But first, let's look at weather storms. Weather storms, I love this picture. There we go whirl in a singular direction. Some people like weather. Anybody like weather storms? Some people get excited about a storm. I mean, when I was a young kid, and I was like, we were out in the desert out there. This is back in the early 70s, late 60s. And a monsoon would come through the desert. I gotta tell you, those monsoons were a lot more fun than the monsoons we have now with the city. Because we lived by this, this road that was like a road that was actually a, a, a dry wash. So when those monsoons came in, and that rain came coming down, and that thing filled up like a river. We got our, we got our inner tubes and rafts out. <laughs> so when we heard a monsoon that time of year, it wasn't just hot and muggy. Man, it was fun time. I couldn't wait for the monsoon, right? Some people feel differently about storms because of that. Some people get scared by storms. Others are completely happy, actually excited about the weather. But people that are used to bad weather like this storm prepare for it. They've been through it numbers of times. They're not shaken by it. They kind of know what to expect. Yeah, there might be some damage. Yeah, I have to board up my windows. You know, it's going to come through. They decide they can get through it. They have a higher level of confidence because they've been through it before. They can be through it again. Wouldn't it be great if we could have the same attitude about our own life storms? If we could remember God's past faithfulness that we got through it. In fact, that's a key to navigating a storm, isn't it? Remembering, I've been through this before. God was faithful before. He won't let me down. Let's give that some thought. Life storms are very different. Life storms are complicated. They are multidirectional and puzzling. They all fit together in crazy little ways. I mean, they come at you from all different directions. In fact, they kind of compound upon each other, don't they? 
You don't know when it's coming from, and sometimes it comes one after another, right? Right when you get done with one thing, guess what happens? Oh, another. It's puzzling. And again, you ask yourself, as I ask, Lord, why is this happening? Well, what are you doing in me here? And even sometimes I cry out and say, I don't even like this at all. This is not comfortable. Life storms create multifaceted tension, testing physically. Has COVID been physically difficult for people? Well, yeah. People have lost their lives. People have lost loved ones. It's been emotional too, hasn't it? How about financial? Anybody get hit by the financial impact of COVID? I have. I understand. Furlough is no fun for me. Huge amount of tension. Oh, you're coming back when? Oh, well, I'm not sure yet. Oh, well, maybe it's supposed to be this. Oh, when? You, oh, I'm not sure. Praise God that he provides, right? The, I was able to do what Proverbs said, put some money away and have something to ride a wave on. Furlough's tough. Financially, I'm not alone. I mean, I, there's millions still out of work because of this thing, financially. Do you think that's emotional for them? Do you think any of them are looking at that from a spiritual sense, saying, where's God in this? Can storms cause you to get out? Yeah, they can cause you to question whether you're really believing what's true. A lot of people actually lose their faith in the midst of a storm. That wouldn't be uncommon at all. Relationally, this has been tough. I mean, Scripture says how good it is when brothers live in harmony together. I have three sons, and they're all older now. 41, 40, and 32, I think. My wife was here. She could shout out and make sure I was saying that accurately. My youngest one gave me the most babies right away. They have four, we have four grandkids from them. My uh, older son had two granddaughters and two great-grandsons from that side. And we love, I used to love, pre-COVID Sunday dinners with the family. Come over when it's hot, get in the pool. I'll cook up a storm of stuff. You can just tell me what you want, and I'll make it. I like to cook. So we'd all get together and have our family dinners, and it was a really special time. No TV, no cell phones, just us. That was a byproduct for some out of COVID, right? When you couldn't do stuff, it forced us to do that. But, but I would love that. But once that happened, my one son, I love him dearly and I respect his position, but he works with the medical community, so he's a little more cautious, more concerned. My other son on this side, less concerned, actually pretty open. Maybe might even think it's kind of all a bunch of hogwash. This son doesn't feel safe with this son. I want family dinners. <laughs> it's been hard relationally. Not just for us, and that's selfish thinking, ah, my family dinners don't happen anymore, but to see the tension in them, it's sad. This thing has been horrible, but that's just COVID, but that would still be happening if it wasn't that, wouldn't it? <laughs> These things have been happening forever, and they will continue to happen. And if it's not happening for you today, it may happen tomorrow. So the best thing to do <laughs> is to get comfortable navigating storms. Life storms could be different. There's like a couple different here I've listed down. Self-inflicted. You ever have a self-inflicted life storm? Ever make a bad decision? How about any sinful decisions? Yeah. How about sowing and reaping some bad stuff? Huh? How about understand that God loves you and he will discipline you? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. You can make bad decisions and therefore inflict upon yourself or your family a storm. How about self-imposed? These are things, hard decisions we have to make. Have you ever had to say no to someone and you knew that wasn't going to be the answer they wanted? My oldest son and my second son both struggled with drugs and alcohol. It was hard. We had to have some boundaries, right? We had to do some things and other things. It was hard. But sometimes you have to do that. Early on in my career, um, I was working for a company in nightclubs. I still remember the days when John Travolta went on the movie screen. And that weekend, every guy in town came in with a white Pierre Cardin shirt and a black, or a suit and a black shirt. You still have one in your closet, maybe? Kind of fascinating that polyester is back in style. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, but I remember that. I was in charge of 40-something million, 44, I think, million dollars of liquor sales. That was my job. That was the barometer of my success. The mechanism of that success was getting guys in the nightclub to find girls in the nightclub. Marriages are getting ruined. Lives are being destroyed. You could smoke in like those back then. People were smoking, drinking. It was, you know, a remnant of the 60s on steroids in a confined environment. And that was what I based my success on. At 32, I'd been a Christian since 23, so I'd worked there for 14 years by, by the time I was 32. And I'd been a Christian for that period of time, and I thought for so long that I was supposed to be a light in the darkness and that it was just, it wasn't the, the healthy who need the healer, right? That was the verse I used, the verses I used to justify why it was there. Now, mind you, uh, I was very conscientious about what I call my life verse, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. I'm, I was mindful to apply biblical principles so people could see the difference in how I was behaving to some of the other people. But they would also come to me and say, hey, you're a Christian, Matt. How do you reconcile this 44 million and this environment? I had to make a hard decision. I had to leave. God was using all kinds of things to convince me that all kinds of horizontal storms were brewing. My marriage was a mess. My kids were a mess. I was traveling out of town all the time. You know, it was tough. The ripple effect of that storm, my wife and I had to go to counseling, and it was 10 years of rough going there. Praise God, that storm developed into a Love Your Marriage classes, which I love to do, and we have a passion to help other marriages not have to navigate that storm or learn how to navigate the storm of marriage, right? That's a, any storm of marriages. Yeah, okay. I had to make a hard decision, though, and tell that guy, I can't do this anymore. And I was thinking, oh, this is going to be great. I'm obeying the Lord. Hey, I'm, I'm doing what he wants me to do. You know, this is going to be fantastic. God's going to reward me. He's going to bless me. You know, as soon as I get out of here, I'll tell you what's going to happen is I'm going to take this travel money and all, this, uh, all these bonus points I have and use them and take my wife up for a trip to Hawaii. I'll come back in a couple weeks and pick up a job. Two weeks went by. Two months went by. Six months went by, overqualified, too much, got to relocate. Hey, you want to run our nightclubs? I was getting to the end of my rope. Quite honestly, God was letting me get to the end of myself. 
so that he could prove himself faithful as my only option. I remember Psalm 40, and I'm going to quote it later for you, but I remember crying out on my porch out front, sitting on the chair in the quiet of the night. My wife wondered, where did he go? She comes out, and there I am. And I got to tell you, that was tough. I thought God had forsaken me. What happened here, Lord? This isn't how I thought it was going to go. This is a tough storm. I got these kids, they're counting on me. Hard decisions. He delivered me from that, put my footsteps on a rock and made them firm. Took me to a place where I worked days, never traveled again. 25 years running that restaurant. We developed 20 different restaurants, it was a blast. That came to an end with a hard decision too. Bought out by private equity. You gotta compromise this standard, you gotta compromise that standard. These people had known me for 25 years as a Christian with personal integrity. I couldn't do things that were not in integrity. I had to make another hard decision. You might have to do that. You might have to choose who you're going to serve and reap a storm as a result. God will get you through that if you do, I promise. It may not be how you thought. Right? It'll actually be better than you thought. Predictable. Sometimes they're prophetic. Sometimes you can look down the road and say, that's not being any good. That, that's a storm that's coming, and it can't be avoided. Here's one for you on that one. I'll just speak personally again. My dad, two weeks before his 55th birthday, dies pulmonary embolism. Hmm. My mom's dad, 55 years old, pulmonary embolism. My brother, 57, pulmonary embolism. I am the oldest living male in our family. <laughs> but guess why? I don't want a pulmonary embolism. So at 40 years old, when I started thinking about chest pains and things, went to a doctor and he said, your heart's okay, but you got a history, you better be doing some things. It's predictable here. Your storm is predictable and maybe even avoidable. <laughs> right? Sometimes we have to be prophetic to help people avoid their storms, right? How many times did I go to my sons when they're, when they're drinking themselves crazy and say, hey, can we talk about this? Can you see what's going to happen here? Some things are predictable. Sometimes we're prophetic. And sometimes they're just completely by surprise. You are caught by a storm that you could have never seen coming. That's how it was almost a month ago when my nephew passed away in a sudden car accident at 12 o'clock in the night. Fatal. Done. I wasn't that close to him, but I tell you, that's a storm that my brother-in-law and sister-in-law are still dealing with. But they had no idea that was coming. Storms come. Storm clouds. Even just seeing this for some people, when you can see a storm on the horizon or you allow your mind to just wander and kind of just cycle up and keep whirling and twirling around with all the worries that you have can be enough of a storm to drive you to desperation. And it hasn't even happened yet. I love the scripture that tells you actually part of the remedy for all kinds of storms when it talks about in Philippians, do not be anxious for anything, but with praise and thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses understanding in the midst of this crazy storm will guard your heart and your mind. That's a cool verse. Matter of fact, if you're in a storm right now, claim that one and stand on that one and start praising and praying. 
I'm telling you, that's the best answer of all. Because one of the keys to getting through a storm, like I said, is remembering God's faithfulness before. The praise and thanksgiving at the beginning of that is, Lord, yeah, you got me through that tough one. Yes, Lord, you were faithful then. Yes, Lord, I remember. It's just sad that when they're in a storm, sometimes it's too much wind, too much waves. We can't remember. Jesus said this to us. We should be wise. Jesus said, everyone's going to experience storms especially those who choose to follow him. I mean, if you think about some of the scriptures, they hated me, they're going to hate you. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome that, right? We read in Ephesians, it says, you know, the spiritual warfare, when the day of evil comes. Matthew tells us about the scripture of how to build your house and prepare. Don't build your house on sand, build it on the rock, Because when the rains come, Jesus did not promise any of us of a storm-free life. If you try to convert someone or bring someone to the Lord and promise them a storm-free life, you are lying. It's sad, right? But people think that that's sometimes, you know, the name it, claim it, you know. Hey, Jesus is going to solve all your problems. Yeah, he is, but he may not do what you thought, the way you thought it was going to be. If you think it's a storm-free life, that is anything. I, I haven't experienced it. I mean, that's not what's happened for me. It maybe happens in the first part of your Christian life when you make a first profession of faith and you get a bunch of Christians who are all excited for you when you get dunked in the baptism and everybody goes, hey, that was so cool. And you get lots of affirmation and support for about two weeks. And then you're on your own, right? You may be duped by that initial peace and you know, affirmation. Be careful. But Jesus did not promise a storm-free life. He said, expect storms, prepare for storms. Here's those verses. The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. They hated me. In this world, you're going to have trouble. Many, I love this Psalm 34. Many are the troubles of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Hmm. Okay. Storms and life storms. It's only in storms and life storms that we can truly physically and even to spiritually experience God's omniscience, his all-knowing ability, his omnipotence, his power to move beyond the circumstances, and his omnipresence, his presence with you. I have never felt closer to God than when in the midst of a storm. You might be missing out if you've had a storm-free life. So I've got a little quick video, kind of show you a little bit about God's omniscience, God's omnipotence, and God's omnipresence. We'll, we'll show that, and then we'll get back to the rest of you. I promise we'll get to the fill in the blanks, and I know many of you are probably nervous about that.
Don't you love that? I love that too. Yeah, me too. Okay, I've got my there. Pretty cool. I think it's interesting. A couple of things you need. First of all, it wasn't perfectly sound scripturally, but it has some good stuff in it. Um, one of the things I think you probably couldn't hear because the audio is a little bit soft is that they say we should turn back. It's too dangerous. And Peter says what? He says, no. We need to trust. He told us to trust. Jesus had sent them out, and they were always familiar. And I love the fact that Peter is this guy who seems to quickly have assimilated the fact in his mind that Jesus is Lord, and he understands lordship and authority really well. If he says to do this, I'm going to do it, right? And I can do it, and God will make it work for me. I love that he has that confidence in the Lord. I also love his humanity that he, like many of us, began to step out in faith, you know, fully aware, and then look back and say, oops, and sometimes we get distracted. But I love that about him. So, okay, fill in the blanks. You ready now? He's probably saying, okay, about time. Jesus uses storms and miracles, okay? Miraculous deliveries, getting me from one place in a job to another job. Rehealing my marriage. That was a miracle, okay? That was a miracle. Our counselor said, uh, I can't even talk to you two in the same room. I know it's hard to believe. You see my wife and I walk around hugging, kissing, grabbing her bottom, that kind of thing. You know, we're very close. And, you know, but that's now. That is not then. God uses miracles in that to demonstrate his deity. When they did this, what did they say? Surely he's the son of God. What does he say about himself? I am. I'm with you. When God is the only reason that you made it through, he gains your future trust and confidence. You can say, I can be calm in the midst of this storm. I will trust you. Right? Jesus uses storms to develop his disciples. He's using all of these things for your good to do something in you for greater reasons. He uses testing and trials to develop his disciples. Like I said, he's preparing them for apostleship to go on and to give them power and authority to do those things. In John 6, 6, when he was talking about the loaves, uh, uh, he asked Philip about the loaves. Actually, Jesus demonstrates omniscience at the same time as power when he says he knew what he was asking, but he asked Philip this to test him. Remember that? He asked Philip, I'm going to test you. I'm going to test him. He didn't tell him that, but this is a test, Phil. You feed him. He's testing. Testing is part of God's process to bring us to where he wants to go, to develop us. It's training. Anybody like tests? I hate tests. Nobody wants to do a test. Matter of fact, you give me a chance to do a test, most people say, no, thank you. So. He, he was also giving this, he was developing his disciples with faith, saying, go in the boat, go do this. You know? And then he encourages his disciples when they're struggling. He says, hey, take courage, don't be afraid. He encourages them. If you want to talk about a guy who knows how to do leadership, Jesus is the guy. <laughs> The way he talks to people, the way he engages people, the way he develops people. I mean, you want to learn how to be a good manager, leader with people? Look at Jesus. I am serious. The whole servant leadership thing, that was all based upon biblical values and interaction with people based upon biblical uh, principles. Huge. So storms have a purpose, and Jesus has a plan. That's why I have this particular picture up here, because it speaks of a pathway, that God's got you on a path, and he's got a destination, right? He's taking you to. 
you know, certainly there's an eternal destination that we'll surely all enjoy, but he's taking you to a specific destination. He has a purpose in the plan. Says, and again, John said he knew what he, what, what he was going to do. It also says further on, he knew what the mob was going to do, and that's why he went up to, on, the, on the mountaintop. Um, you may be surprised, but God never is. I love Genesis 50, 20. It's one of my favorite purpose and plan uh, verses. It goes along with Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you. That one, does God have plans? Yes, for good, to prosper you. Not meaning you're going to win the lottery. It means prosperous in relationships, both with him and with others. Okay, that's what God wants you to prosper in. He will want to take care of your needs financially, but God is not a God of a bubblegum machine where you put a quarter in and get a bunch of sweet treats. Okay, that's not how God works but he wants to prosper you. But I love Genesis 50, 20. It's one of my favorite things because it reminds you that the troubles and the storms that you are going through have value for your good, his glory, and the good of others. Other people are watching you as a Christian navigate your storms. And you all have different storms and each of you have a unique storm that is of value to someone God has for you to share it with. I can't talk to drug addiction I, I can't. I didn't struggle that way. I don't have that addictive gene or personality. My wife can talk about that. She had a history of difficulty with some of those things. Her, her first husband introduced her to, to drugs. Storms happen, but God has them in a way that he wants to make them valuable and shareable for the good of others. And Genesis 50, 20 is the place that says that. Your notes might say Exodus, and that's because when I gave it to the girls to put the pamphlet together, I get Genesis and Exodus, this particular story, twisted because I think of Egypt. But we know this one, right? And this is Joseph. Did Joseph have a stormy life? How's for starters? You know, he's got this relational tension in his family, right? His brothers hate him. Okay. That's not fun. Anybody have your brothers hate you? My older brother used to, you know, was big. He got big fast and early in his life. I'm not kidding you. By, by eighth grade, he was as big as Steve back there, probably 6'4 and 200. <laughs> okay. I'm not kidding. He was a big boy. I'm the, I'm the runt of the family, okay? To be honest, you gotta, I didn't get any of that, okay? But the point is, he used to chase me around and, and beat me up. Then he'd tell his friends to do the same. I know what that kind of tension is like. That's what Joseph was dealing with. He wasn't a happy guy. I mean, he was happy, but he was dealing with a storm there. Then they do what? Sell him into slavery. How's that go? Yeah. Then he gets into Potiphar's house, and guess what happens? Gets chased by, around his house by a woman who wants to take his clothes off, and, you know, I was kind of hoping that would happen more often in my house. <laughs> it does happen often. She can't, she can't keep her hands off me, I'm telling you. And after I talk on the pulpit, okay, all right, but he wants to do it for the good of, of others, right? What does Joseph say when he gets through it all and his brothers come back and this things are reconciling? He says, what well, all this has happened, all these storms I've been through, everything that was difficult, he kept his eyes fixed on the Lord. He kept looking to the Lord and knowing God would be faithful. What a guy. What a great example for all of us. And then he says this when it comes to that final moment, and he says, what? You intended for harm or evil, God is using for good for the saving of many. It isn't all about you or just you and your little storm. The little storm you might be going through today, the one of many little storms you might experience, all have value for the potential saving of others, if not for just the comfort of others to say, 
I've been there, right? If you've lost a loved one or lost a child, you can minister to someone else who has done the same or who's a non-believer saying, what is this? Why is this happening? You can talk to them and say, God has a plan in this. It's horrible. He wants to use every storm for his good glory and the good of others. Jesus uses storms to purify this. I love this particular slide. Testing and purification go hand in hand, right? When you sin, God gives you a pathway back to be purified, and that's a process. I love the Corinthians verse that talks about, you know, that as God began these good works in you, he'll complete it. You know, he began these things in you. Old things are passing away, and all things become anew. That's a process of sanctification is what we call it in Christianese. The things you used to desire, the things you used to want to do, start falling away and he gives you new desires and the things that you don't used to desire don't ring like aren't appealing to you anymore praise God he wants to purify you and sometimes storms are the reason that that happens sometimes it takes a lot of wind and water to wash off the dirt right anybody like the fresh smell of a day after a storm that's what he wants to do with all of us so okay this particular picture is really great, though, because swords are one of the weapons of our warfare, right? They're used as a metaphor there. And swords are made useful by testing with fire and, and the beating of metal to dense, bring density to, the, to that metal. That is not a fun experience. If you were a sword, you wouldn't be very comfortable in the midst of that heat and beating, would you? But yet it says this about a sword. An untested sword will break upon its first crossing in a battle. You go a tested sword against an untested sword, then the tested sword wins every time. How about this one? This is a cute little phrase. Untested metal, untested gold is worthless. God wants to bring out the gold in you and he's gonna do it through testing. Jesus wants you to experience his presence in ways that only happen in the middle of a storm. Matter of fact, if you didn't have a storm, you might even be able to sense he's there. He came to his disciples on the water to demonstrate God's omnipresence. He can meet you in any storm for sure. He tells us that neither height nor depth, I love this particular verse as it applies to this particular topic. It says, because it's a water verse, right? Neither height nor depth, nothing can separate you. And Jesus demonstrates that by breaching the, the the barrier, he took all physical dimensions and just threw them out the window and walks on water. Nothing can keep you from him. Nothing can keep him from you, I mean. I love Psalm 139, it says, where can I go from thy spirit, O Lord? And I go through a list of things, nothing. That's 139, verse seven through 12. Jesus wants you to see his power at work in the midst of this storm. He wants to see his power. Matter of fact, it's important to note he doesn't want you to try and do it on your own because if you could do it on your own without the power of his Holy Spirit, you might want to take the credit for it. Matter of fact, it's really a great thing to start trying to solve any problem saying, Lord, thy will be done. I don't know what I can do here, but you can do something. Can you just give me the power to do what you want me to do? That's a great place to be because God says when you humble yourself under mighty, his mighty hand, he'll take you where he wants to go. Right? He'll lift you through that circumstance. But you've got to be willing to say, I don't really want to. Remember, that's kind of how I deal with reality in life. You know, I don't really always want to love my wife. Anybody else dare to say that loudly in public? That's truth. I don't think she always wants to love me. I'm not always worth that love. I'm not worthy. God says I should at all times. I, I don't always want to forgive her. 
I don't. Sometimes I'm mad as a hornet. I'm deeply offended here. But God says, you should do this. And guess what? Not by your might or your power, but by his spirit. I could move from my natural man, say, Lord, I I render myself into your hand. I don't want to. But I'm going to do it. And I'm going to go say I'm sorry. I'm going to say I was wrong. Well, she'll do that. Make sure he wants to see his power working in you and through you in the midst of your storm. Don't try and muscle through it on your own. That's not good advice. Jesus wants to prepare you for greater things. We always said that over and over. Ephesians 2, 20, or 10, or 2 verse 10 says that you are his workmanship created for good works that he has planned for you to do in the future. He's preparing you and training you. We kind of drilled that in today. Matthew 28, uh, 19 is the one that says, therefore go. John 14, 12 says, he who believes in me, even greater works than these will he do. Jesus is aware of your storm, but sometimes he wants to, he wants to, you and to invite him. He's waiting for you to invite him in. They invited him into the boat. Revelation says what? He stands at the door and knocks. Jesus is a gentleman. He's not going to barge through. Sometimes you got to invite him in. Did we miss something on the notes? I'm seeing some puzzled faces out here. Did I miss one? No. Sometimes some can't see God in the middle of their storm. You know that? Again, the wind and the waves are too high or something else. Maybe the history is haunting them, but they can't see God in the middle of a storm. We need to help them. Some would have never cried out to God had there not been a storm. There's a lot of people out here who've got a carefree life. They don't have a need for God, right? They're doing just fine. They don't know how desperate they are until things play out in the days ahead. Jesus didn't promise this, was, this thing on this planet's getting better, did he? Sooner or later, the scales will be balanced. I love this cried out verse. I told you Psalm 40 is one of my special verses in difficult times because I love the picture of an Abba father. It says that I waited patiently and I cried out to him and he inclined his ear to me. He took me out of a miry pit, out of a bog basically. He put me on on a rock and made my footsteps firm that many will see. He put a new song in my heart and many will see and fear him. I love that part where he says, his child cries out and he inclines an ear. It reminds me of being a grandpa or a father who's got little ones coming to them and they're in a storm and they're having a difficult time. They don't know what's going on or they've hurt themselves or they're frustrated. And they cry out to you and they say, Daddy or or Papa. I'm gonna just stand back and go, what's up, dude? I come over and I reach down and I say, hey, little buddy, want some candy? (laughs) That's what I do, right? That's what grandpas do. That's right. Candy, ice cream, it'll fix any any storm. Calm right away. But I love that picture that when you cry out, God doesn't stay way up here. He inclines his ear to you. It's like James says, if you draw near to him, he draws near to you. He's not a far off God. He's omnipresent. That's in the story here. 
Some will never cry out. This is for all of us. Some will never cry out until they hear one of your many storm stories. Do you have a storm story to share? I'm sure you do. Everyone does. Some will never cry out until you say, I was there. God took me through this storm. Sometimes God speaks to the storm. Sometimes God speaks to us through the storm. To the storm, he says, be still. To us, he says, be still and know I am your God. No one should ever try and navigate a storm alone. The disciples knew better. They stayed in the boat and they worked together. So should we. When we're navigating a storm as individuals, we need to work on helping everyone else who's in their own storm at the same time. That's why God says, don't neglect the gathering together. We need to be with each other because we're all going through different storms at different times, right? Big ones, small ones, little ones, you know, big ones, little ones, all shapes and sizes. But we need to be with each other and help each other and listen and by the way, when you say, I say listen, I mean look and listen. When you say, hey, how's it going? Look and listen. Because this is a big difference between fine to, hey, fine. When someone says fine, you might say, are you sure? Maybe God wants you there for that moment in time because that person's in a storm that you are going to be able to help them with. If not you, you'll be able to say, hey, I know someone over here who's been through that. There's another person in this congregation that has expertise in that particular storm. We should get you talking to them. But we need to be in the boat together. No one's really alone. Jesus was with them. No one's ever really alone. No one is alone. God is always aware of every single person on this planet. It says that Jesus stands at the right hand of the Father ever interceding for those that he loves, always interceding for you. He's not stopping. And again, he's not limited. He can do that and a whole bunch of other stuff at the same time. You know, we think in human terms, well, if he's praying, he can't be doing, no. He can pray, he can be there, he can be talking to you and you at the same time. He's not limited. This is a totally different thing. This is like, you know, God. <laughs> okay. I think we got all your fill in the blanks, right? John 16 through 21, a picture of God interacting with us as we struggle to navigate life. Here's some things you can pick up. When you get into a boat and the winds pick up, know that Jesus sees that you're struggling and he's praying for you. Know that no matter how far out you go on the water or no matter how rough the seas, Jesus can still come to you he can still be with you. You may not understand how, but get ready. He's gonna reveal his presence and power. He's gonna say, I am. Look for him, and then look to him. Keep your eyes fixed on him, not on your past history or your past accomplishments or the people that you've left behind or the people that stand behind you or the storm of the waves, look to him. Invite him into your boat today, moment by moment. You know, this may sound silly to you, but 
I love my relationship with my Father in heaven. You know what? I don't just wait for my prayer time to talk to him. I go out in the yard and say, okay, I'm going to cut the grass today. What kind of pattern do you want me to do? <laughs> I'm not kidding. You should see my grass. I went kind of this swirly way and crosswise this time. It looks really cool. Next time, goes, oh, you should just go the vertical way. This time. Okay, I'll do that. Okay. Hey, rays of the sun? Yeah, we'll do rays of the sun. <laughs> Silly but true. God, does God love me that way? Does he want me to be like the little boy in his garden saying, hey, go have fun with that? Hey, Lord, help me do this. Where should I get gas today? You know? The more you talk to him, the more he talks to you, and the more you hear his voice, the more familiar you get with hearing him. <laughs> if the only time you talk to him is when you need something, that's kind of sad. I mean, he's still okay with that if that's the only time. But he loves you anyway. But boy, you're sure missing out. Invite him into your boat moment by moment. Get ready because when the storm is over, be ready to praise him because he's going to get you to the destination he has for you physically, spiritually, or emotionally. Don't fear the storm. Welcome the storm. Lean into the storm. Let the storm take you where God wants you to go. Okay. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for storms, the way that they purify us, the way they prepare us. Lord, the way that you use them in our lives to mold us into the image of your son. You promised that all things work together for good, for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes. And you promised in the next verse, Lord, that that purpose is ultimately that people would look at us and that we would look like you. And Lord, you don't do that through easy, tranquil times. You do it through the tumultuous and even the terrifying. Help us, Lord, to embrace those things. Help us to lean on others that have gone through storms and help us to be there for those who are in need when they're in a storm. Help us to be sensitive to that. Bless us today as we go out into this world. Give us a great week, Lord, that we could come back in here next week full of praise and thanksgiving for your faithfulness unto us, for the big and little storms we might encounter in the days ahead. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.